Uh, so hi there and welcome to another episode of Insights with Net Support. My name is Mark Anderson. I on Twitter as ICT Evangelist and I'm the head of education at Net Support. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to uh, introduce somebody onto the show today that uh, I've known for quite some time. Um, he is a former uh, physics and maths teacher who for as long as I've known him has wanted to see more evidence space behind how teacher um, CPD happens and takes place. Uh, in the workplace. And then 11 and a half years ago, uh, he founded the Teacher Development Trust. And um, well, it, it didn't really need the big intro from me. Um, it gives me great pleasure to welcome onto Insights, uh, who's going to be sharing lots of things and lots of takeaways that I'm sure you will uh, really get an awful lot from. Uh, welcome to uh, Insights, Mr. David Weston. Welcome, David. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Mark. Really lovely to be here. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I um, am slightly suffering from a little bit of jet lag from an exciting trip to San Francisco last week. So um, I'm hoping I'm going to manage to be cogent today. <laughs> so uh, jet setting around the world. Uh, I've seen recently as well, um, along, uh, aligning with organisations like ISTE and so forth and so on, uh, you released a really important, uh, really useful paper around um, uh, AI uh, in education uh, for school leaders. I'm sure we'll get on to that and touch and, and talk about some of those things in our conversations. But um, as I mentioned in the intro, David, you, you're well known for your your passion uh, about effective um, teacher professional development. So in terms of CPD, what, what does the current landscape look like? Well, it's an interesting place. Uh, I was reflecting on this of how much things have changed since 2012. Um, back in 2012, uh, the government had essentially got rid of pretty much all of the structures that were in place around professional development. So the General Teaching Council, uh, the National College, um, there really was very little left. And they they created uh, teaching schools, but hadn't really given a lot of detail around them at that stage. And the government's policy around mm. professional development was we don't really have one. And when you compare to now, where you've got hundreds of millions of pounds being invested by government into um, NPQs and early career framework and the uh, all of these new frameworks actually have explicit reference to the importance of professional development. We have standards for professional development. They're referenced in head teacher standards. We have the new teaching school hubs. I mean, the world has changed quite a lot, but the world has also changed quite a lot. So uh, in the background of that, obviously we have one of the toughest situations we've ever seen in terms of recruitment retention. We have, frankly, a profession still recovering from the pandemic and just the changes in the world of work that came about because of that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things have changed really quite significantly. I would say the other factors we might want to look at would be not only the rise of um, sort of teaching school hubs and lead providers and those sorts of things, but also as um, trusts have grown, you're gradually seeing more trusts or groups of schools take on functions. And something that's emerged in the last few years has been this idea that trusts will have some form of institute or a professional development, more formalized function at the heart of them. So we're in this strange state where you've got 
some bits still provided by some local authorities. You've got some things from teaching schools, some things from trusts. You've got some national providers. You've got still lots of providers who do other pieces of work across the sector. We've now got a chartered college of teaching. So it's a very fragmented. There's probably more resource going into it now than there was 10 years ago. But the issues we face in the background are bigger. So yeah, that's a complicated answer, really, isn't it? It is quite complicated. If we're looking historically, though, let's sort of take that lens back to 10 years ago to where we are today. Do you think, you know, what we know about effective teacher professional development has improved? Do we see actually, we see we've got different pockets of different places and spaces and being provided from councils or within trusts or so forth and so on. But, but do you think the actual conversation and, and actual effective professional development has actually moved? Um, yeah, I think, I think things have moved on. Um, so on the one hand, there's a lot that we knew then that we still know now. So we know um, that it's very common for teachers to experience one-off professional development. And we've known for years, we've known really since the 1990s, um, that that is not a great idea. I mean, we've known longer than then, but sort of the research, the really great quality research started coming out in the 1990s and onwards. Um we know that teachers need to not just listen to theory, but they need to have an opportunity to enact things in classrooms. We know that uh, we need to try and help people not just have abstract ideas, but actually figure out what does this really mean in my own classroom? They need to sort of make it meaningful for their classroom and their pupils. So there are lots of things that we knew then that we know now. I think what has been clarified in the research over the period is that it's not just about the process of professional development, um, but it's uh, there are some specific design features or mechanisms. I really like the um, Education Endowment Foundation report on professional development. I think that's a useful addition. Um, I don't think it's the only report we should be looking at, but it's a very useful addition. But also, it's not just these mechanisms and design and content, but actually it's the, it's the context, the culture, the conditions within which this happens. And I think we know more about that now than we did before 10 12, 11 12 years ago we could easily say you know teachers need to trust each other but actually we've got a lot more quantitative data now which says very specifically that when teachers are able to work together in pairs and they do trust each other and they feel more supported then it's much more likely that they're going to improve over time that the learning mm -hmm. will will be something they feel they can apply and actually we're beginning to get into the cognitive science and the neuroscience of why that might be so we know more about what teacher expertise is probably like in teachers brains so i think things have moved forward quite a lot um i would imagine that some of the key messages we still need to put out about please stop designing one-off activities for teachers and and give teachers great opportunities to learn over time like we do pupils i suspect mm -hmm. we'll keep doing that because organizations make it feel like oh let's just say this and let's just do this and we're all incredibly busy and schools will always be busy so we do know more. I would say the core messages are the same, but I think there are some really important nuances that have developed since then. Now, I think you're absolutely right. So taking my Netsport hat off for a moment and putting the, the hat on where I deliver support and training to schools, certainly during that time, you know, and, and there's still an appetite for those one-off inset days, like you say, but I do have conversations with head teachers where I say, well, this is good, but 
what so what you know what what will the teacher do from what i share I, and you know i far rather break down a series of sessions where we can dive deeper give teachers a chance to practice embed and and it goes to the sort of carl hendrick but doesn't it about you know, what does this look like in the classroom it's really important for teachers to have that time to reflect upon isn't it um yeah i, I wanted to sort of ask you <laughs> i wanted to ask you david um so you've talked about all these different sort of pockets of um um ways in which teachers can access professional development um be it within their trust or from the local authority or wherever how, how can you tell me a little bit about the teacher development trust how do, how do you fit into the mix yeah so uh it's a charity um that uh we founded in 2012 and the idea is we're trying to create schools and groups of schools where teachers are more likely to improve so create the conditions and the processes and the leadership where more reliably uh, teachers will be improving, they'll be wanting to stay so that students and particularly the most disadvantaged students uh, will succeed. So the way we do that is um, two pillars. Pillar one is advocacy and research. So we constantly campaign, we put out lots of articles, we do lots of talks and publish things. Why is this important? Why is it really important not just to think about just CPD by itself, but the conditions that teachers are in, particularly now, particularly with the massive issues around uh, professional morale and so on. Um, and then we publish research, like in 2015-16, um, we published the Developing Great Teaching Review of what makes great CPD. Um, a couple of years ago, my colleagues and I published a paper called A Culture of Improvement, which looked at the working conditions needed. We've done some work with NFER on uh, teacher autonomy. So we're trying to publish research and do advocacy. But uh, I suppose our bread and butter is actually helping schools and leaders to make this better. So um, a core of our work would be coming to a school or a group of schools. Um, we run a survey, we do interviews with staff, and then we get down to the nitty gritty. How well is your school developing staff and how could you do that better? So that could be anything from how are you organizing professional development? How are you organizing meetings, senior meet, senior leadership meetings, whole school team meetings? How are you organizing school improvement plans? How are you doing appraisal and career development? How are you accessing research? How are you evaluating impact? And all of these pieces together, benchmark that and just really help schools understand how to do it better to get more bang for their buck to help teachers stay and then um, train teachers to do that. And then most recently, we've started offering um, then the NPQs, the National Professional Qualifications, as one of the government's lead providers. So uh, mm. that's the work that we do is really we'll come and help you make your school a place where teachers are more likely to get better, more likely to stay and more likely to help students succeed. That's fantastic. And if you wanted to find out more about that and the work that uh, the Teacher Development Trust does, uh, then if you're watching, then you can see the website address scrolling across the bottom. If you're listening on the podcast version of Insights, uh, then please uh, do visit the um, Teacher Development Trust on their website at https colon slash tdtrust tdtrust.org uh, and I'll get you all of the information you need from there. And there's lots to, to read on there as well, isn't there, David? There is. So we're constantly publishing um, blogs and research studies and examples. So um, we're just really interested in how you create expert schools, really uh, expert schools, expert leaders. Um, and for example, 
you alluded to the fact that we recently published some guidance for school leaders on how might you deal with AI. What does that mean in terms of the development of your staff and your curriculum? And we uh, we like to work with really great organizations. So in this case, we work with um, the U big US and global organization, ISTE, as well as their two um, school leadership unions and the Confederation of School Trusts. So we publish resources like that. Uh, there's lots of research studies on there you can download and have a look at. But also, frankly, we're a bunch of um, school improvement and CPD nerds. So we just love it when people get in touch with us and we can just chat through what's happening in your school, in your trust. How can we help you? Um, and there's various events and things you can attend on there. So, yeah, we'd love you to uh, come along, have a look, get in touch, come along to an event, follow us on you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., um, and and have a bit of a chat about how we can lead teaching, learning, CPD even better. No, absolutely, and I've seen you know the, the work I see from the outside, you know, because um, uh, outside in, obviously. Um, but from the various events I've been to, where I've seen you speaking and sharing, you, know, you you do it everywhere you can, left, right, and centre. But be it I'm speaking at things like the Education Festival, like I mentioned uh, just before we came on air, uh, through to the sharing you do on social media, through to the reports like that AI for school leaders, uh, I think that came together recently. Uh, are there any other sort of tools or, or uh, resources you're developing to support uh, teacher developments at the moment, David? Anything interesting in the pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. So there's um, there's all sorts of bits and pieces. And I suppose um, all of this is is rooted in, um, we, we, we come at this with quite a strong set of values about what we believe is the right way to do all of this um and we always talk about the idea of being smart that's really research informed um having a lot of heart and actually really bringing people along with the journey meet people where they are um and also be uh, have a humility be humble around all of this and so we were applying we've been applying that lens recently to uh thinking about a few different things so anything from this diagnostic review work so how can we bring even more of the latest evidence and for example working with um uh, dr sam sims to create uh, the teacher working environment survey where which is a free tool you can use um, a light touch survey just to bring some of the research and just find out where your staff are um but also more recently looking at um some ai powered tools as well and the reason i uh dropped in the fact I was in San Francisco last week is because we've just announced a new partnership with the, the Salesforce Foundation. That's a big uh, software organization, a big global software organization, and they have a charitable arm. And they're going to work with us to help uh, support AI-powered teacher development tools. Um, so that's quite exciting. Essentially, a way that um, uh, we're creating these tools where, for example, if you're doing a session to help staff think about, well, how would I just do those basics of just dealing with behavior? A scenario, a classic scenario, right? I've got a whole uh, bunch of students in a corridor. How would I just get them organized and ready and ready to go in and ready to learn? And we can talk about the theory. We can try doing one of those really awkward role plays. But what we discovered is that AI actually can be very powerful at saying, okay, we've talked about it. Now use the AI tool tell it what you do, it will tell you an example of what the students might do. And I have to say, AI-powered children are not without their challenges. AI-simulated children can be just as frustrating as real ones. Um, and it can give you some examples of what you do, and then we can discuss and explore. So these really powerful AI tools um, we're very excited about. Um, and also, we're, we're building uh, sort of new packages of support, which we're calling around our expert schools programs. So 
um, sort of updated our approach. So whether you're um, doing the, the basic process, which is a building expert schools, just understanding where your school is at and moving it forward, um, or our um, slightly more in-depth process, which is unleashing expert schools, where we'll we'll do some more capacity building. Uh, so these new packages you'll see uh, on our website in the next week or so. So yeah, lots of new tools and support as well as that AI guidance as well. So there's always new bits and pieces with us. Uh, we, we, we're, we're pretty restless around this. So um, worth keeping an eye on the newsletter as well. Great stuff. And I guess you sign up for the newsletter via the tdtrust.org site there, David, yeah? Exactly so. Yes, that's right. Uh, I was just thinking about that. Sounds really interesting about using AI to. Uh, so I think about that example of trying to uh, get your. I remember you know, trying to get my year nines on a wet, windy Wednesday afternoon, trying to get them lined up, ready to come in, ready for learning, those sort of things. And no two children are the same. And a tool like AI, you know, with the randomization that you can put into the various characters you might actually engage with in there, and that that must work really well because you. you you, you can't plan for children all the time. They, they throw wild cards left, right, up and down. So uh, I can imagine that being a really, really useful tool. It is. Um, it is. And 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 uh, just to say on that, one of the really interesting things we've managed to get the AI to do <clears throat> is not only simulate what the children are doing, but at exactly the same time, also be this little coach on your shoulder that's telling you, look, that was okay. This bit was good, but you probably need to do this. And if you notice this simulated child, um, didn't respond so well. So here's what you might want to do and then bring in some sort of evidence approach responses to that. So in each time you engage with this tool, it says, here's what the children did, but you're not just left because it suggests some ideas. And the idea is that Mark, if you're coaching me about exactly that, you know, year nines um, just come out from uh, lunchtime and it was incredibly wet and windy and, you know, it's a Friday yeah, yeah. and it's near the end of term. Exactly. I mean, every teacher's heart sinks when they kind of go, oh, that could be tough. But now the nice thing is you can say, well, let's have a go or, oh, no, I just had a really difficult situation. Let's sort of plug that into the simulator and replay it a few times and just see what could I have done better to help me understand it. So, yeah, it's um, it's exciting work and being a massive, um, a massive sort of tech geek. I'm always really excited about all these areas. Um, it's it's really fun playing with this technology, it has to be said. No, it really is. So, something that I've been playing with as well, I, I've seen you playing with as well, is the Hey Pi app. Uh, and and the, the thing that I, I think is really powerful with this is, and we, and we know low stakes is good for learning across the board, right? But if you can practice these sorts of scenarios in a low stakes environment where the AI is there, like you say, with the, the guide on the side, but also providing the stimulation with the randomized children in front of you, all of that, that's got to be a huge win, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I occasionally do now is I use the Hey Pi app, which is um, uh, this wonderful tool if people haven't used it from Inflection, which is another one of the big um, AI companies. And you can put it on telephone mode if you use the app and you can sort of chat away. So I'm, I'm sometimes walking on the way to the tube and people think passing me think I'm on a call, but actually I'm chatting with the AI and just it's very good at coaching me and sort of saying, well, what do you think and how do you feel about that? And well, you might want to think about this, but it's a great coach and actually just talking aloud can be a very powerful way to just articulate and develop your thoughts and in particular I know I love to think while I talk and so you know while writing is great actually talking to something that just reflects ideas and occasionally suggests yeah very powerful I think we'll see more we'll see more leadership tools more reflective tools more feedback tools and exactly as you say Mark 
Sometimes we need a human to work with us, but sometimes we say, oh, I feel so vulnerable. I don't even want to show anyone else that thought or that concern. So sometimes I think this mm. very low stakes technology approach can potentially have benefit. But, you know, there's a lot of testing to be done until we're ready. And that's what our project is about. That's fantastic. And I, I love that example that you're just sort of talking to. I'll, I'll share a personal example. And, and you'll know that tech adoption is hard because technology can sometimes be quite difficult to use. But my mother, who you think would be the most sort of techno mother or grandmother going, she's like the you know the yin to my yang, David. Um, but she's got really bad arthritis. I, I was like, I mean, you've got to check out this tool. And I showed her Hey Pie and, and she had a conversation with it. And it actually started then coaching her with different activities to counter her, her arthritis and rheumatism. And here's like an 80-year-old woman who's in engaging with this technology that it's so easy to access when you can just use your voice and just talk to it in that kind of a way isn't it i think it's going to be it's only going to get better isn't it yeah i agree it's the classic thing everybody says now which is that ai tools are the worst now that they will ever be they're only going to get better so if you're impressed now they're going to get better if you're not impressed yet they're going to get better so yeah watch this space well, look, there's no there's no place uh, for yeah, uh, that can or space that can can um, remove the, the importance of human interaction, at least not yet. Uh, so, um, given what you've learned over the years about effective teacher CPD, what what would you say? Yeah, you know, if you're thinking about if someone's listening and uh, thinking it's all very well and good, and and I can I can go and visit the Teacher Development Trust website, or I can follow David and get some hints and tips. But if you could drill down into the sort of the, what are the secrets to effective teacher CPD? Could you sort of like like a really good consummate? Could you sort of really sort of concentrate that down into a few sort of top takeaway tips? Yeah, I can. Uh, let's sort of do almost part one. A couple of general ideas and then part two what does that mean for a few different people so uh, part one um we know that for really good professional development um we need to start with ideas that are really going to help most people most of the time so using research um areas like formative assessment really good feedback um is really good metacognition is a really good area there are some of these areas which just are just going to be very powerful and we have a lot of good evidence of what they're going to look like so using good evidence but then making it relevant to the phases the, the the year groups the topics and subjects we're teaching is really important as well because if you've got a bunch of computing teachers and a bunch of PE teachers and a bunch of art teachers um, all of our needs are going to be quite different and just telling us some ideas about formative assessment won't be enough you need to help us say, okay, well, what's that going to mean for a computer lab, for an art lab, for working on a sports field, for example. Um, so helping people adapt and think about their own subjects and how that relates to the curriculum sequence and what we're teaching, that's really important. Mm. And it's really important also not just to get too focused on what I am doing as a teacher, but what's the impact I want on pupils. So try and keep a focus on uh, what uh, if I improve my questioning, what would I expect to hear? How would I know it's working better? That, I think, is quite important as well. Um, but also, we know generally for everybody, um, if people are stressed and anxious, we don't learn very well. If we're incredibly rushed um, and under too much pressure, we don't really learn very well. So we have to have protected times to learn as teachers. We need to feel our senior leaders, our middle leaders are really supportive, that we've got the sort of culture where we can open up and talk to each other about problems and challenges and have open conversations. And also, there's something about classrooms where you're not so constantly anxious about there's going to be some bad behavior or there's going to be unpredictable things that you feel on edge because essentially 
that's not great for the pupils to think something's going to go wrong in this classroom. They don't learn very well. And it turns out we don't either. So those are some general principles. Mm. But we also need to think just a little bit about different types of teacher. For a brand new teacher, there's going to be a lot of overwhelm. They're just when we're brand new, we're just beginning to sort of figure out how we automate things, how we deal with things. But as a new teacher, we don't even see the classroom with expert eyes yet. So you need to spend some time with expert teachers and new teachers working together and explaining, well, what are you seeing and how are you thinking about this? And um, how can we work through these ideas and begin to build these more sort of expert, expert thinking approaches for novices? And then when you've got um, teachers who've been around for longer, so, you know, as someone who'd taught for 10 years, um, actually, a lot of my teaching habits became very ingrained by the end of it. So what I don't necessarily want is someone coming along and just giving me a list of top tips. What they need, um, what I needed is a bit more reflection time. So, well, what are we actually trying to achieve here? And what do you actually do? You might not even know what you do. It's so automatic. So we need to help you make it less automatic, help you think about it, help reflect. You need to be a bit more involved in sort of exploring your own learning. And when you see examples of something else, we need to try and help you just work with you to explore what's different and bear in mind there are a lot of teachers who've been around and unfortunately had a lot of bad experiences of professional development so take that into account and say you may you know I, I think you've probably sat in lots of sessions where you thought oh this doesn't feel relevant or you've heard ideas you think have come around again we need to listen to people's experiences and really try and understand where they're at and try and find ways to to guarantee that what they're going to get will feel more relevant, will feel more useful. So um, we do need to think that because I speak to a lot of school leaders who say, oh, I've got lots of more experienced teachers who seem really resistant to the thinking. And you say, well, you know, your experience of professional development yourself might have been great, but maybe theirs wasn't. So we need to understand where people are coming from and tailor approaches that build up their trust again, that professional development can be really useful, really relevant and really inspiring. So those are a few ideas, but definitely do have more of a look into the research on culture, um, the EEF report on professional development mechanisms. Um, do have a look at the CPD standards document from DFE, which um, I, I was involved in writing as well, because that's got some great principles in there as well. Crikey, many, many takeaways. What I'll do, um, if you're listening and thinking, Crikey, where am I going to find all this stuff? Uh, I will compile all of those links and everything from David. Um, so I've got a lot of them already. And um, we'll make sure they're in the show notes. Um, we're out of time, unfortunately, David. So um, thank you so much for taking some time to come and share. Um, hope you uh, get over your jet lag uh, pretty soon. Uh, if you haven't grabbed um, David's contact details yet, I'll just put this across the bottom and read them out for you as well. So you can follow David on social media uh, as informed underscore edu. Uh, his website is informededucation.com. And of course, if you're interested in finding out more about the Teacher Development Trust and the work they do and accessing some of those resources and some of those things that are coming down the pipeline he was talking about, uh, then please do visit the Teacher Development Trust website site at tdtrust.org. For now, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join me, David. It's been lovely seeing you again. Uh, thank you for listening. And before you go, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for joining us here on Insights with NetSupport, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us.